We would like to welcome everyone on this lovely first day of Tabernacles 2023. And we are so blessed to have everyone here from north, south, east, and west. We want to welcome you all here. And we would also like to welcome uh, our wonderful Israelite family scattered across the hinterlands of America who tune in to Rumble and they fellowship with us. And we want to welcome all those folks scattered all over America, across the oceans and different countries of the Western world. So we welcome all of those wonderful people. And we are so blessed today to have everyone that has arrived to come here. Now, the first order of business for my part here this morning is to remind everyone of why we are here. This is not a seminar. This is not just a Bible study gathering. This is not just a uh, church meeting. This is an official divine appointment ordained by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We didn't choose to be here. That is, we might like to be here, but we didn't make that choice. So I'd like you to open your Bibles for just a moment to the book of Genesis, chapter number 1. When our God, our covenant God, the Almighty, laid out the foundations of the earth, the universe, and all things, that we find recorded in scripture. He did a marvelous, marvelous thing. He ordained from the beginning the, or, the festivals of the Bible. And this is what every Israelite needs to know, especially those who have abandoned, evaded, denied, or tried to, in some way, just ignore the festivals of the Bible. So take a look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. And God said, that's Elohim, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs, seasons, days, and years. That word seasons is the word you want to look at put under the microscope, because that word is moedin, or moed, from the Hebrew root word, and it means appointment, divine appointment, a fixed time, a set time, a public convocation. God put the sun and the moon in the heavens to mark that wonderful occasion. And so the festivals were ordained from the foundation of the earth. If you look at Psalm chapter number 104, let me read a verse from Psalm 104. And just remember what the Bible says. He appointed, I'm in Psalm 104, 19. He appointed the moon... For the Moed, Moedin season, the seasons, the sun knoweth his going down. 
So the sun and the moon are God's big bend in the sky. And while our lesson is not intended to lay out the divine calendar, it is important for everybody to know that we are here to observe a divine set appointment by our eternal God. Now, everybody's familiar with keeping appointments. We keep dental appointments. We keep medical appointments. But there's a set of appointments that we ought to really think about, and that is the gathering times for God's covenant people. So we'd like to welcome everyone here to this Feast of Tabernacles 2023. And let me read now from Leviticus 23 these important words to the people of Israel. I'm reading now from Leviticus 23, verse 33. And the Lord Jehovah, or you may say Yahweh, spake unto Moses, and what did he say? Speak unto the children of Israel. Doesn't say tell the whole world. The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. That's where we are right now. We're on day number one in a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Seven days will you offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you, and you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You shall do no servile work therein. So we wanted to establish, particularly for our children and our young people, that there is a reason for the season, a reason why we are here. Every festival day marks the most significant prophetic event in Bible history, in salvation history. And Tabernacles is the fulfillment of the promise that uncreated God would tabernacle among His people. Amen. Tabernacle among His people. And the birth of Christ, of course, was the beginning, the sign of Virgo in the heavens, and it will be consummated with the sign of Leo, the lion, ruling upon the throne of David. So the festivals are monumental events. They mark every significant moment in salvation history. And with that thought in mind, I'd like to ask you if you know the theme of this gathering. What is the theme of this divine appointment? Well, for the benefit of those who may not know or may have forgotten, I'd like to point it out. It's printed here. But let me read it. Here's the theme. To your tents, O Israel, find your tribal family, your Christ-centered church, and get ready for the storm of the ages. It's coming. 
The storm of the ages is coming. And we need to really focus at this Feast of Tabernacles on the idea of to your tents, O Israel. Let's pray. God our Father, we come to you today in humble recognition that we as a covenant people, Anglo-Israel in America, have in so many ways lost our way. We know we live in a country, dear Father in heaven, that is in a state of political paralysis. We are in a state of great political confusion. We are in a state, Father in heaven, under siege by enemies who have come in and seized possession of the government. And we are, as a covenant people, are totally now at the mercy of a sovereign God. We reach up to heaven this morning, living God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. We plead in the blessed name of Christ that you would hear our cry for your divine intervention, our pleading for your help. O blessed Christ, send your Holy Spirit to guide us as a covenant body that all the fathers sitting here today, all the ministers that are here today, all the wives, sons, daughters, may look to the heavens from whence cometh our help. For our help comes from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and from no other source. Living God, we are your children, and we humbly ask now that you open our eyes and give us a sense of direction. Let this entire festival, Lord God Almighty, be molded in your image and after your likeness, for your divine favor, and for the benefit and blessing of your people. And we will give you all the praise and the glory and the honor, both now and evermore. Amen and amen. amen. The rallying cry of ancient Israel, when King Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, announced after the death of his father, he said, my little finger is going to be thicker than my father's loins. I'm going to rule over you in a much more severe way than my father ever did. Solomon had laid a very heavy levy on the people, a, a major taxation for the excesses of his kingdom. But his son Rehoboam came along after Solomon's death in 975 B.C. and he said, my little finger, now think of that. Compare your little finger to your loins. Now, whereas my father laid you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke my father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. 
Those words are recorded in 1 Kings 12, 10, and 11. Now, in response to these tyrannical words from the lips of Rehoboam, persecuted Israel cried out from the ten tribes, northern kingdom, and said, What portion have we in David? Neither have we any inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now see to thine own house, David. So Israel departed from their tents, 1 Kings 12, 16. That was the division of the house of Israel into two kingdoms. Monumental watershed moment in the history of our people, 975 B.C. Israel and Judah remained divided. Throughout the end of the Old Testament, they're still divided. They're still divided in the New Testament. One part is called Judah. You know them under the little short name of Jews, not to be confused with the synagogue of Satan, of course. And you know them as Gentiles, not to be confused with the interpretation given by modern church, the church world. The Gentiles of the New Testament are the Israelites of the dispersion. So the whole Bible belongs to Israel. Nobody else. And all the Israelite people that are living now in the earth, the remnant of Anglo-Israel that are living in America, in the British Isles, across Europe, Scandinavia, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and wherever else they've scattered. We are on the precipice the very edge of the most politically, economic, and social transformational time in the history of our people. Now, I want you all to think about this. In every white homeland under heaven, historically reserved for God's children, the Anglo-Saxon, Germanic, Scandinavian, kindred peoples connected genetically to biblical Israel, they face the most uncertain future that our people have faced since Israel stood at the Red Sea. The non-white hordes of the earth have been and continue to pour into the homelands of the West, including America, shrinking and replacing their Anglo-Saxon populations at a rapid pace. Now, our time in history, beloved, is reminiscent in many ways of the Christians that lived in the Roman Empire whether they lived in the western or the eastern part of the empire, they were privy from 376 to about 476 A.D. The ever-expanding, invading, pressing forces 
of the Germanic Gothic tribes from Europe, your ancestors. They were pouring out of Europe and pushing against the Roman frontiers. And for almost a hundred years, Rome endeavored to hold back what they considered to be the barbarians. And those barbarians eventually conquered Rome in 476 A.D., but you and I would be privileged today if the horde coming across Mexican U.S. border were the white Germanic hordes that crossed into the Roman Empire. We're not looking at the fair-skinned, blue-eyed, Gothic Germanic tribes that overran the Roman Empire between 376 and 476 A.D., we're looking at a horde of people that are moving into this country at a pace that only God himself would understand and know the enormous consequences of that invasion. Since Biden took office in January of 2021, by the most authoritative sources that you can find, and nobody knows the real number, but roughly 10 million non-white alien Latin Americans and people from China and all over the world have poured into this country. Now, it would be wonderful if we gathered here on this first day of Tabernacles and we just tried to forget what's happening to our world. But church, we've, we've gathered here and we need, we need a sense of knowing what God would have us to do. What, God, what does God want His people to do? We're on, we're on the cusp, we're on the precipice. Imagine standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon you got your toes right at the edge of that Grand Canyon, and you look down into the depths of that canyon, and you imagine the, 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 the distance that you would fall if you slipped over that cliff. If for no other reason than that for the children and the young people of this congregation, all of us, Every one of us ought to be fully invested in seeking the face of God in the face of what we're now looking at in this country. The invasion of America now, now some people will find this difficult to understand. The invasion that's been going on in this country since 1965 that's a generational problem. We have been invaded since 1965. It is a generational calamity that has been under the watchful eye of both the Democratic and the Republican Party. And those people have no real regard to do anything about the border. So we are in trouble, and the 
woke policies of the totalitarian Marxist federal and blue state governments have not only transformed the racial composition of the states where they live, but they're now dumping tens of thousands of those hordes of non-white people into the red state areas. And if they have not, if they have not knocked at your door, they will soon. There is open discrimination now against our kind of people. In every social strata of American life, there's open discrimination if you are born with white skin. The price for a white person to find acceptance in the Marxist woke America today is to bow, bend, genuflect, and embrace and kiss up to the depravity of the Baal worshipers of this country. The price of acceptance demands that if you want to find a place in the totalitarian state now emerging in America, you must be willing to sell your birthright like Esau. You must sell your personal freedom and liberty. You must cash in your biblical worldview. You must seal your lips. You must grow quiet. You must not speak lest you be canceled. Nothing less than the full surrender of your faith is required by the totalitarian rulers that are now ruling this country. So we are in very serious trouble, and it's very important that all of us grab a hold of the plow handles of our God and hold on, for the storm is gathering. Now, it should not surprise any of us, beloved, Listen carefully, it should not surprise us that we are where we are. How many generations does it take to reject God, to repudiate His law, to scorn His commandments, to trample under their feet His laws, and to openly condone and adapt themselves to the horrific sin of race mixing, homosexuality, gender dysphoria, and all the other depravity that's now going on in this country, and the churches of this land, and the hireling preachers that condone it. It is shameful. It is indeed shameful. So we have broken covenant with our God, and we have rejected Him now for generational seasons of time. If you go back to the base year of 1960, that is over three generation, three 20-year generations. That means that we are watching the piling up of the sin debt 
for three successive generations. For better or worse, that debt has now grown to a point where God is calling in the debt. We are under a type of judgment, people. There's no question about it. We are under a much-deserved judgment. And we will do well as a body of people to humble ourselves and know that we are where we are because we cannot live in perpetual rejection of the covenant God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, repudiate and scorn His holy law, trample under feet His worthy name, break His covenants, and love, worship, and serve the gods of mammon and all the other gods that we have created in our material, materialistic love of money and are chasing after the love of that money into every form of idolatry one can imagine. So we are where we are because we've rejected God. And, and the sooner we humble our hearts and, and remember that we are where we are because we cannot continue to repudiate the law, the perfect law of God, the law that converts the soul, the very perfect law that leads us to the cross of Christ, convicts us of sin, establishes our guilt before a holy God. When we abandon that law system, we have scorned our position with God. So what does the Bible tell us? Well, what if the Apostle Peter spoke to us? He might tell us, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of Christ? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? 1 Peter 4, 17 and 18. So people, we live in a time now when the sin debt that has been piling up, God is coming forth now to ask for retribution. God wants a payment to be made on the debt. The only payment that He accepts is repentance. Repentance. So that's where we are as a nation. We have become an idolatrous nation of Baal worshipers. Willingly, willfully, deliberately embracing infanticide, homosexuality, child trafficking, wholesale race mixing, and crimes of depravity that reach all the way to heaven. And people today that want to live a moral, godly life are now scorned, ridiculed, silenced, shamed. So you and I really, really are facing a tough time. Remember, we may not realize this, but America enjoyed the best years 
that we may ever see the rest of our days on this earth and this country in 2017, 18, and 19. One day you'll look back on those three years if you are of age, and you will remember those three years as the most blessed reprieve that you have had the good fortune to live in your lifetime. Now, since 2020, beloved, in, in 2020, we began a downward plunge that continues even this morning. But you'll remember back in 2016, in the lead up to the presidential election, you remember that year, 2016, all the white people in America that was for the God-fearing policies of coming back to a full American republic restored under the Constitution and Christianity, those people were labeled a basket of deplorables. Do you remember that? We were called the deplorables. In 2017, they upgraded that name to racist bigots. So they weren't satisfied to call us deplorables. We became racist and bigots. In 2018, they were not content to just call us racist and bigots. We became a nation of white supremacists. If you're born white, you're automatically a white supremacist who's lived in, in, in privilege. You've been living in white privilege. Well, I would like to know if they want to follow my childhood, if that was white privilege, they could have it. Now, by 2021, these people had, I'm talking about the left, had upgraded the name from white supremacist to domestic terrorist. Domestic terrorists were school, were mothers that went to school boards. Mothers that demanded that their sons and daughters no longer be taught critical race theory. Mothers who protested children being physically and mentally abused with gender change. Watching children being chemically neutered, little boys. Watching little girls being given hysterectomies when they were eight and nine years old. Did ever anyone ever turn to the pages of the Bible and find a more wicked nation than we have become? Is it possible to open the covers of your Bible and find a time when they were more wicked than modern 21st century America? Well, I'm sure that there might be some moments that would approach the equivalency of where we are. But I will tell you, as a nation, we have become the most wicked, godless, population that has ever lived in America or perhaps in the Western world. And so people, after naming us, giving all these labels, they never stopped. They came along and they said, okay, 
we need to do some further, make some further efforts to silence this white Anglo-Saxon population of America. So let's prepare an experimental spike protein gene therapy DNA injection and then we'll threaten them with the loss of their job by making it a mandated shot. So they came along and millions of white people rolled up their sleeves and said, inject me please. Thank God for those who didn't. Praise God for those with the spine to say, no, thank you. Not only will we not take the injection, we don't need the mask and we, don't, we do not need the social distance. In fact, we're going to live our life like they lived it in South Dakota. Where they place liberty ahead of security. Personal liberty and personal freedom and Christian liberty were valued above the promises of security of a poisonous experimental injection. But that wasn't sufficient. After January 6, 2021, when more than a million Americans gathered in Washington, D.C. in a freedom march, the Marxist tyrants went out and arrested more than 1,000 Americans. Some of them did not even attend the march, were not even there. Many of those people are still rotting inside the bowels of the Washington, D.C. swamp in isolated jail cells. So as we gathered to tabernacles, it would be very easy to come here and play the game of blindfold bluff, where we just cover our eyes and try to ignore the world around us. <clears throat> But that isn't a path forward for our children. <clears throat> that is not a path for the sons and daughters that God has given us. We have a, a much greater responsibility. So what do we do, church? I ask the question. What do we do in the face of the calamity that, we've, that we find ourselves in? Like ancient Israel, our backs behind us is the army of Pharaoh. Ahead of us is the Red Sea of tyrannical totalitarian government. What do we do in the face of this? <clears throat> well, I think we need to do what Israel has always been challenged to do. We need to go back to the Word of God and just start doing what God told us to do. So I think we need to do exactly what ancient Israel do, or ancient Israel did do, and that was they 
to your tents, O Israel. What part hath we with this Marxist woke culture? So I say, Israel, we must separate and build our own culture and return to the words of our God and let Him be our guard, our guide, and our protector for the future. So that means we've got to become a people that are devoted, dedicated, committed, and sold on the Holy Bible. This is our book. It's God's revelation from heaven. So we need to, we need to enjoin ourselves in becoming devout adherents of the Word of God and find out what God would have us to do from the pages of His Word. <clears throat> the Bible is a seamless book of one God, one faith, and one people. It is divided and carved into two covenants, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant makes up 85% of the Bible. New Covenant makes up 15% of the Bible. Both covenants, <clears throat> old and new, were written exclusively to one people. Israel. Israel and Judah are the, the beneficiaries of the covenant. <clears throat> the idea that the covenants of the Bible are enlarged to encompass the world <clears throat> is not taught in Scripture. That is the creation <clears throat> of hireling preachers. Hireling preachers. <clears throat> so the Bible is an exclusive book written to one people, Israel, by 40 different authors, 40 different authors, all of whom were Israelites, every last one of the authors of the Bible, of all 66 books, all 66 books, 39 in the old, 27 in the new, were authored by an Israelite living over a span of history more than 1,600 years long. Most of them did not know each other. A few of them did. They were not collaborating from one century to another through social media or any other way. Yet every book in the Bible harmoniously comes together to form the most wonderful, glorious panorama of truth divinely inspired and providentially preserved throughout history. So the Bible has survived ancient wonders of the world, at least some of them. It has survived nations and empires. The Bible is the source and foundation for every truth that's ever come to the Western Christian world. It is the foundational book. And that is the book that governs Israel and will see us through to dry land 
through the Red Sea of totalitarian rule that's ahead of us. The Bible is a book of 66 parts of its library. Think of the Bible as a library of 66 different divisions, books, authors. 1,189 chapters, 31,102 plus words recorded in the Bible. This is a wonderful book written to your people, about your people, for your people. And we just need to come back to the Bible. If we're going to live on the New Testament like a lot of people do, that's only 15% of the total. And without the 85% of the Old Testament, we are running on vapor if we're only reading the New Testament. Every writer of the New Testament has built everything that he's going to talk about from the Old Testament foundation. To your tents, O Israel, means that we come back to God's Word. That we come back to being a special, peculiar people unto the Lord our God. We need to just go back to the basics from my point of view. So when God told Israel, when God told Israel, as recorded in the book of Deuteronomy chapter number 7, Thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath called thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you are the fewest of all people. But because the Lord God loved you and because he would keep the oath, the oath, the oath which he swore unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is a faithful God, a God that keepeth covenant and mercy to them that love him unto a thousand generations. Deuteronomy 7, 6, 7, 8, and 9. So dear church, what does it mean to be called a holy people? To be a holy people is calling us to moral purity. Moral purity. That's a call, a clarion call for all of us to set our lives in spiritual order. When God called Israel at the very beginning, after they had crossed the Red Sea, established themselves to some degree in the Sinai wilderness. On the third month, when Israel gathered to celebrate Pentecost, God did a marvelous thing. He told Israel in Exodus 19, beginning at verse 3, Bible says that Moses went up unto God 
And the Lord God called unto him out of the mountains, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bare you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. You don't, you don't want to pay one bit of attention to all this talk about white privilege, white oppression. White people have been the liberators of all of the oppressed, mostly throughout history. And when we were conquering various and sundry people, their cup of iniquity was filled up or we wouldn't have been there and God would not have blessed us. So God tells Israel, He tells them that they will be His people and He will be their God. And He goes on to tell them in the words of Scripture, that they are not only a covenant God, they're a special people, a holy people, and they can only be a special and a holy people if they are willing to be a peculiar people. What does it mean to be peculiar? It means that you walk to a different drumbeat than the rest of the world is willing to walk. You are going to go and separate yourselves from this untoward, wicked, abominable generation. Now, when God made this plan with Israel, you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us in Exodus 19 that Moses, when he heard the words that were spoken to him, that Israel was to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests. The Bible says in Exodus 19 that Moses came and called for the elders of the people. Elders of the people. And laid before their faces all the words which Jehovah had given to Moses. The Bible says in Exodus 19, verse 8, And all the people answered with, all the people answered together and said, Now this is, this is huge. It's the foundation of liberty. It's the foundation of a true government. Exodus 19, and verse number 8. When the people had received the words that Moses was given from heaven, they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Just not very long after that, they ratified that covenant in Exodus 24, 3 through 8. And the ratification of that covenant was the ratification 
of Israel's willingness to become a separated covenant body of people. Now just hold on because the new covenant is a continuation of the old covenant under new terms. Jesus is the surety for the new covenant. His blood makes the new covenant possible and the redemption of Israel as well. In the ratification of that covenant, the Bible tells us in Exodus 24, beginning in verse 3, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, all that God has said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. Moses wrote them down at the foundation of Western Christian freedom, education, liberty is found in Scripture with the people called Israel. Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, rose up early in the morning, built an altar under the hill with 12, according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, Exodus 24, which offered burnt sacrifices and which offered sacrifices of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half the blood, he put it in basins, half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And the Bible says in Exodus 24, he took <clears throat> the book of the covenant, the book of the covenant. We are a covenant people bound <clears throat> to a covenant God with covenant law with a covenant future. He took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people and they said, all that the Lord has said will we do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood of the covenant and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold the covenant which the Lord God hath made with you concerning all these words. Exodus 24, 3 through 8. When we come to the New Testament, we have the ratification of that covenant at the cross of Calvary by the blood of Christ and by His resurrection from the dead. So we are a covenant people, and to your tents, O Israel, simply means, beloved, from everything that I can gain from reading Scripture, and I'm open to anyone who wishes to share and add their sentiments to this. But it would appear to me, beloved, that we are now right where the New Testament places us under New Covenant In 2 Corinthians 16, uh, chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, let me read to you 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. This is where you and I are. This is where we are today. Right here, right now, Tabernacles 2023. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be 
ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And if you will separate, now that doesn't mean we're going to go up in some rapture and leave the earth. That means that we're going to be in the world, but not of the world. We may work in the world, but we're not going to, we, we're not going to absorb the world around us. We're not going to integrate with the world. A swimmer can go in the water and not drink the medication that's been placed in the water to purify it. I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That's what God promises. So, I don't know how we're going to separate church unless speaking especially to young couples with children, speaking expressly to young single white Americans, addressing specifically white, Caucasian, Anglo-Saxon young people who have not polluted their blood, who have not committed blood poisoning by race mixing, young men and women who have remained genetically pure, who are seeking to live a moral, godly, upstanding life, young people who are committed to be a true, committed to being a true soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. My point of view and my counsel to the young people, to the young married couples with children, let's covenant, combine, separate, and build our own culture. Separate from this ungodly, unclean, this wicked, this unbearable, woke, Marxist culture that's trying to devour America and dismantle everything that has to do with Christianity. Now, I gave you 2 Corinthians 6, 17, and 18. Well, let me give you a confirming witness from Revelation 18. Familiar words, Revelation, uh, chapter number 18. The Bible says, Wherefore come out from among them, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and it says in Revelation chapter 18, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, I'm in Revelation 18, Come out of her, my people. Come out of her, my people. That's Babylon that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. The plagues here in Revelation 18, we had a little bit of a, an experience with in COVID-19. Her sins have reached to heaven. God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you. 
How do you reward Babylon? You reward her double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which Babylon hath for you to drink, give that cup back, filled to her double. And I'll tell you how I think you do that. I think that any couple who will raise and multiply as many children as God will give them, as God wills to give them, and they will raise those children in faith and trust that God who owns the future will guard and preserve those children. For the Bible tells us Lo, children are the heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. The man that hath his quiver full of them is blessed indeed. And they shall meet the enemy in the gate. The children are our greatest resource. They are the greatest treasure you possess. And the greatest legacy you will leave on this earth is godly children raised in the nurture and the admonition of their covenant God. So to your tents, O Israel, we just simply need to do what God has always told Israel to do. Be fruitful. Multiply. Raise up God-fearing families. Build strong marriages. Multiply. Duplicate. Marriages that are built upon the solid rock. Marriages that will not fail. That will not melt before the advancing problems of our generation. So in closing today, people, on this very first day of Tabernacles 2023, 20, it might be good for us to just consider to your tents, O Israel, what part hath we with a Marxist totalitarian government? We'll be in the world and you can better believe we're going to occupy till it comes in whatever way we can. We're going to occupy by whatever means we can. We'll fulfill a, we'll, we will fulfill our civic duties. In every way we can, we're going to occupy, but we're not going to be canceled. We're not going to be silenced. We're not going to be bowing to the woke culture. So may God bless all of you to your tents, O Israel. Let's be standing.